Thursday, June the 10th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden visits Europe and helps jab more of the world. First, the world in brief. Joe Biden arrived in Europe on his first foreign tour as president, starting with St. Ives, a twee British seaside town, for a G7 summit at the weekend. He and Boris Johnson pledged their countries to a new, quote, Atlantic Charter to resume travel and boost cooperation in research and trade. Next comes Brussels, where Mr. Biden will meet leaders of the EU and NATO. Last on the itinerary is a meeting in Geneva with Russia's President Vladimir Putin. As if to fire a shot across the bow, Mr. Putin banned his country's main opposition group, which Alexei Navalny heads from a prison camp. The Biden administration will provide 500 million doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccination to around 100 countries over the next year. That is well short of the 11 billion doses required to inoculate the world, but far exceeds America's vaccine donations to date. COVAX, an initiative that seeks equitable vaccine access, will distribute the drugs, which the administration expects to pay for at a, quote, not-for-profit price. Talks on a trade dispute between Britain and the EU, dubbed the, quote, sausage war, ended without resolution, meaning that exports of chilled meats from the British mainland to Northern Ireland will be banned from the end of the month. Britain said it will continue to move goods across the Irish Sea regardless. The EU threatened to impose tariffs if it did. Mr Biden overturned a ban imposed by former President Donald Trump on TikTok and WeChat, two Chinese apps. It had already been eroded because of legal challenges. Even so, the Biden administration remains worried about the security risk posed by China. It issued a new order to increase scrutiny of foreign-designed apps and could make any future bans binding. JBS, the world's largest meat processing firm, said it paid ransom worth $11 million in Bitcoin last week to free itself from the clutches of cyber hackers. Andre Nogueira, JBS's boss in America, called the decision, quote, painful, but the right thing for our customers. Last month, Colonial Pipeline forked over $4.4 million to cybercriminals who had knocked out its fuel supply lines. The Department of Justice managed to recover most of it. TC Energy formally gave up on the Keystone XL pipeline, which was to link Canada's tar sands with oil refineries on America's Gulf Coast. The huge project, with an estimated $8 billion price tag, had become a battleground between environmental activists and oil industry interest groups. Its death was foretold when Mr Biden revoked its cross-border construction license on his first day in office. El Salvador became the first country to make Bitcoin legal tender. Starting in three months, every business must accept payment in the cryptocurrency unless it lacks the technological ability. Naib Bukele, El Salvador's president, said it would make it easier for Salvadorians abroad to send home remittances, which make up one-fifth of its GDP. He wants to harness the country's volcanoes to power Bitcoin mines. Fact of the day If workers in America commute less than three days a week, commercial property could lose more than 50% of its value. And correction. In yesterday's espresso, we incorrectly referred to America's Internal Revenue Service as the Inland Revenue Service. Our Britishness got away with us. Sorry.
And now, here's today's agenda. Changing expectations, inflation in America. Figures released last month showed that American consumer price inflation hit a 13-year high of 4.2% year-on-year in April. Markets were spooked, but economists worry that May's figure, due to be published today, could rise to 4.7% according to one poll by Dow Jones, a news service. The pace of inflation has been so dramatic in large part because last year's falling oil prices depressed the base used to calculate the annual rate. But rising consumer demand, propelled by stimulus checks, has also caught companies off guard. Many have struggled to increase production to match. Shortages from cars to computer chips to skilled labour have pushed up prices. Even so, runaway inflation is only likely if consumers, businesses and investors expect future price rises to remain elevated. Chinese firms seem to be cutting their margins rather than passing higher costs on to customers. Whether American ones follow remains to be seen. There will be more inflation scares in the months ahead. Brace yourself. A close-run thing, Peru's election. Almost all the votes are counted in Peru's runoff presidential election, which was held on Sunday. Pedro Castillo, who campaigned on a far-left platform, has 50.2%, a hair's breadth ahead of his conservative opponent, Keiko Fujimori. She alleged fraud, but provided little evidence. International observers said they found no sign of it. With legal battles over disputed votes likely, it will be some time before the result is certified. Assuming his victory is confirmed, Mr Castillo, a teacher and union leader from an Andean village, will take over a bitterly divided country, reeling from the world's highest pandemic death toll relative to population. He has support from Evo Morales, Bolivia's socialist former strongman, and has called for a new constitution and a more statist economy. But his political experience is slight, as is his mandate. This week, he struck a more moderate tone, telling supporters that he would respect democracy, the constitution and economic stability. His opponents will hope he means it. Easy now, the European Central Bank meets. Shots in arms are injecting life into the European economy. That means the ECB will probably offer a forecast rosier than its assessment in March when it meets today. But will the outlook be so good that central banks should start to tighten monetary policy? Probably not. Inflation in the EU hit an estimated 2% in May, but strip out short-term factors and it is half that. Given weak wage growth and how much economic capacity is going unused, it would be premature to substantially scale back the pace of asset purchases. New European debt further complicates policymakers' decisions. As much as 100 billion euros, 122 billion dollars, will start to be issued over the coming weeks. It is supposed to fund the recovery, but will also make it tougher for the bank to pull back demand without investors feeling a credit crunch. For now, they expect the ECB to hold. A hawkish surprise would be most unwelcome. Bending towards justice, Uyghurs, China and the ICC Today, two Washington-based Uyghur groups will ask the International Criminal Court's chief prosecutor to propose an investigation into abuses of their ethnic group by Chinese officials. 
A previous request was rejected because the court lacks jurisdiction over non-members such as China. But the group's lawyers say they have uncovered more evidence of abuses in Tajikistan, which is an ICC member. There is only one precedent for such an investigation. In 2019, the court agreed to look into atrocities committed against the Rohingya in Myanmar, which does not recognize the ICC's authority because they were forcibly deported to Bangladesh, which does. Needless to say, Myanmar lacks China's clout. Unlike Bangladesh, there is scant chance that Tajikistan, which relies on China for credit and security, will cooperate. Like Myanmar, China would never hand over its officials to stand trial, but for Saleh Hudayar, one of the complainants, the case is, quote, about testing the international community. We're tired of being thrown aside. Match fit. COVID-19 disrupts sports tournaments. For the most part, sports administrations have done an admirable job of hosting competitions safely and on schedule this year. But not all have been entirely successful. On June 5th, John Rahm, a Spanish golfer, was comfortably in the lead and in line for the $1.7 million prize at a PGA Tour event in Ohio. Then a medic informed him that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and would have to withdraw. Golfers on the PGA Tour need not be vaccinated to compete. Bigger tests lie ahead. Football's European Championships begin tomorrow at venues across the continent. The entire Spanish squad is already in quarantine. The Tokyo Olympics are less than 50 days away, and Japan's government is determined to push ahead despite a resurgence of infections. Proceeding without risking public health or the competition's integrity will require diligence, meticulous planning and luck. Don't be surprised if either event ends up being an own goal. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Eunice Kennedy Shriver. Let me win, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.